think about this though, and I'm sure you have. Warren Buffett says no to just about everything under the sun. Yeah. And he also owns one of the four major railroads that he bought in the darkness of 2008-9 recession, basically with Goldman Sachs' money. Because he said no to all these stupid, mediocre deals for like eight years, said no to all the like noise of like the technology, this technology, that or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. Yes. And then went for it 100%. And then he sits around for a while. So if I go back to like, Wally the Entrepreneur versus Wally the CEO. Wally the Entrepreneur was like, say yes, say yes to everything. Look at the bright, shiny objects. Da 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 da. As opposed to, why don't we say yes to getting clear on what we're actually doing and what our mission is and what that really, really looks like, to your point, the vision, and then say no to everything else that's getting in the way of it. Is your current success putting a lot of demands on you? If you're good at what you do, and you are, then everyone wants you. But that's no way to scale. If you're delivering spectacular results, you should be commanding higher fees, working with only the best clients. Welcome to the Hands Off CEO Podcast, where world-class agency owners and consultants learn how to fully monetize their expertise and scale profits by doing less. Here's your host, Mandy Ellison. How do you trust your team? How do you let go so that your team can actually do the best work and so that you can focus on generating more growth? Well, Wally Waldron shares how he did this. And this is really important for him because they've dramatically increased their fees from in the lower five figures to in the the high six figures by really stepping into becoming a growth partner. But doing that, making big promises and really seeing end to end a whole outcome and taking strategies like going from 10 million to 100 million that type of high-level work, which they've really expanded to within their consulting agency, that takes some really high-level execution from the team. So how do you be able to trust your team with that high-level execution? So Wally shares here from our podcast, this is a clip from our podcast, how he actually got his team to be stepping up and taking over, how he went from what he calls lording over his team and getting really frustrated, not seeing the results he wanted to really moving into what he calls a Yoda type of leadership where he's really growing and developing people and seeing just dramatic level of growth in his company because of how he's slowed down as a leader and actually generating much more prosperity altogether for his company and also for his clients. I hope you enjoy this clip from Wally. Hello, this is Mandy Ellison, host of the Hands Off CEO podcast. Today I have on Jason... Wally Waldron, and he is the CEO of Waldron Universal Enterprises. Wally has been in our Scale to Freedom tribe for a number of years now. It's been really exciting seeing him grow. And really what Wally does, and he likes to be referred to as Wally in his work life. Is that right, Wally? That is correct. Okay. And he's the secret weapon behind owners, founders, and CEOs of B2B companies who use his unique profit acceleration strategies to grow faster and really maximize the value of their business. And when these owners feel trapped in their business, he applies their exodology methods so that they can buy back their time and freedom. And while he lives in the mountains of Evergreen, Colorado, with his wife and his two adorable children, I've had a chance to meet them. Your son is your little (laughs) mini-me. So Wally, welcome to the Hands Off CEO podcast. Thank you, Mandy. It's an honor to be here. 
I had the pleasure of meeting your mini me a few months ago, which was really cool. So uh, it's an honor to be here. And as you know, I love what Hands Off CEO is all about. I love what Scale to Freedom is all about. I think we're going to have a lot of really cool things to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, you've got your exitology. I know that you've gone through a whole transition in your business over the years, really developing these concepts. And I've been watching them unfold. And it's been really incredible because I'm seeing all these incredible case studies that you've been developing with businesses that you're focusing on. So first of all, why don't you share who are the kinds of businesses that you work with and what kind of transformations have you provided for them? You know, the types of businesses that we work with are typically closely held, often multi-generational B2B industrial and industrial adjacent businesses. And we very broadly call it the industrial services market. And you can drill down into all sorts of areas there to kind of get into, you know, specific verticals and stuff like that. The real area where we find ourselves adding a lot of value typically is a business where someone has a closely held business and they've reached a point where they're either tired or they're reaching that point where they're wondering, hey, am I going to pass this thing on to my next generation of owners? It might be an ESOP. It might be uh, the son or the daughter or something like that. Keep it in the family. But they've been really working hard and they've survived a couple of these recent recessions. And you look at these folks and they're kind of the unsung heroes of the world. They're almost like the forgotten man. And there's tons of these businesses around. They're reaching a growth plateau, right? They're kind of in this like 10 to $20 million revenue space and they've got a pretty big team and they're really trying to keep it all together, but they're just exhausted. And over the last 15 years or so, we've been kind of working our way around this market and working our way into this market to serve them. Because every time that we would look around and some new bright, shiny object would come into the world. We'd look around who was really kind of keeping things moving. And it was the forgotten man, so to speak. It was the people who were moving trains around so that they could feed the nation. It was the people who were doing what sounds like really boring stuff, but is actually kind of hard to do. Like, how do you figure out how to maximize yields on a giant crop over the period of a few years and make sure everybody's fed and stuff like that? Where that's really led us is to this question of, hey, if you're looking to move on to the next phase of your business life, and you're looking to create a legacy in the world. And frankly, if you want to sell over the next five years, you come to us, we get your business ready and you get a hell of a payday. That's really who we're serving. And so something that's really unique about this, I know you have the, the positioning, you're here to help them get to the next level, be able to exit the company, have a higher multiple when they're exiting really yes. feel good about their exit. I know a lot of advisors in the market are really focused just like on the exit part and kind of the nuts and bolts around that. But I know that what you really do is you and your team really elevate their marketing and be able to help them generate a tremendous amount more growth. So why don't you share with me yeah. a case study example for one of your clients that had some big wins? Yeah, totally. I would love to. Thank you for that. A couple of years ago, a client came to us and she said, you know, an ideal win for us would look like if I could double our revenue over the next year or two, and in doing so, have enough extra profit to reinvest into growing the business so I could bring my daughter into the business, right? And what was cool about this story was that we actually got her there in less than 30 days. First of all, it was a big credit to this client. This was a person, and I'm sure this will speak to what you do with folks, but she had done a lot of the work already. 
right? And so we were able to really just improve upon her already existing situation. We weren't fixing her. We were just adding gasoline to the fire. But how it looked was she was looking for clarity on her most profitable customers. And she had it all there by the book, but she didn't have the spirit behind that, if that makes sense. You and your team were able to fine tune, understand exactly where they can add the biggest value and in 30 days be able to double the revenue. So like how much extra growth would that, would you say like in dollars? So in her case, in a 30-day period of time, it was $100,000 that she closed. And what was really cool about that, again, is that all we did was essentially take where she was looking for her most profitable customers and slightly shift where she was looking so that it was aligned with who she was, who she was being, who she wanted to be. And the magic started happening. $100,000 outcome doubling. You've added millions of dollars for companies before, haven't you? Wally, like our other Scale to Freedom tribe members, your agency is really cream of the crop, top of the industry. You generate guaranteed results. So I'd love to hear, you know, what is a case study that you're really proud of? Yeah. So what we do is we create 33% annual growth and we add up to a million dollars in new revenue for these B2B industrial services companies. And the way that we do that is we optimize their existing resources so it doesn't cost them a penny. And when you think of the strategic imperative of increasing valuation, that last part's pretty important about optimizing the resources. This is a really cool study, actually, because it really demonstrates sort of the multi-generational aspect of what we help people do, but also what happens when you're working with the right types of folks. And a few years ago, we had father-son situation where the father had originally created a multi-million dollar business in the B2B automotive space. And son said, you know, what would it look like if we were able to take that company and put it online? And he started to build it up for a period of time. And by the time he found us, he was doing all right. He was reaching a growth plateau and came to us and basically said, hey, we think we have enough traffic coming into this e-commerce website, but we're missing something because we know we could be doing so much better. So we took him through one of our phases. It's actually phase four where we increase people's revenue per lead and we help them build momentum. What we often do, we took kind of a David versus Goliath strategy and we literally reverse engineered the top three competitors in his space and then applied those same strategies to this, at the time, kind of smaller business. Well, here's what happened. We go live with it. On day number one of us going live with all of these changes to his business, Every dollar he was spending the day before, he was now making 56.8% more on top of whatever he was making revenue-wise. What did that look like for real? He over doubled his business in the first 12 months of us working together. And now he's very, very close, if not already cracking the $10 million revenue mark. And we're having those discussions about how do we get that to $100 million over the next few years. And there's a lot of really cool things about this story. You know, one is the son sort of taking dad's legacy and building upon it and taking it into a new space. But the really cool thing is that you have a business owner who really lives a lot of the things that you teach, Mandy. He's now, he's giving back to his community and, you know, helping the children in his backyard with his extra, with all of these things. And it just keeps building and building. And so he spends about a third of his time in this business and he is now building portfolio businesses. And so it's been really cool to be on this journey with him. And that's just one of many, many examples, but that's one that's pretty near and dear to my heart Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's just awesome to see somebody 
who is really honoring his own backyard, building playgrounds for underprivileged children, helping his own family get a leg up. And it's just, that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that. Your team has been helping them get to 10 million and now you're devising a strategy to get to 100 million. And I don't know if you've seen this with your clients, but maybe I should ask you, have you seen that it's tends to be harder to get to that first 10 million and then go from the 10 to 100 is a lot easier? Yeah. And there's a lot of different reasons for that, right? But I've absolutely seen that. First is you're a proven commodity at that point, as far as like other resources are looking at you, whether you're attracting better talent, perhaps, maybe you're attracting capital, maybe you're attracting new channels to diversify where you're selling into. But I think probably the most important thing is that if you have a CEO who's installed in that business or a founder who has grown into that role, that person now is running that business from a point of leadership and business acumen that the million dollar a year, you know, entrepreneurial CEO, the hustle guy just doesn't have, right? Nature leaves clues. And so if you look at one of my favorite charts where it shows all these different plateaus that businesses grow to, you know, you've got a million, three million a year, five million a year, ten million a year. And traditionally that's the demarcation line between what they call the main street market and the lower middle market. And the business org chart, the way that the leader thinks and is in the world of a 10 million, 20 million, 30 million dollar company is a totally different type of person than the five million, the three million, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I have really enjoyed seeing in your own evolution within your company, Wally, is how you have continued to up-level the kinds of clients that you're working with. So how are the clients that you're working with now and the kind of projects like getting to 100 million? Like, How are those different than when you first joined Scale to Freedom? I'm going to quote one of our clients right now. And this is about three months ago, and he said the coolest thing ever. And he kind of looked at us as we were presenting you know, the next 45 days of his roadmap. And he says, well, we didn't hire you to fix us. We hired you to make us better. And that is the mark of a winning momentum build business and business leader, right? They're always looking to expand their boundaries and to find where that next level up is so that they can keep moving up the food chain, so to speak, and do a better job for their tribe or their employee base, however you want to look at that. Compared to the lower Main Street market and stuff like that, a lot of times they don't have the resources and therefore they don't have the time and space to level up, frankly. And so it's been a very interesting contrast. And I've got to give a lot of credit to our work at Hands Off CEO and going through the program. You and I did a recent calculation, I think, where a big deal number of years ago for us that we were working with somebody was coming in five figures in a best case scenario. You know, now we regularly will be doing multiple years of working with clients in a six-figure engagement, and they're seeing that ROI coming back to them again and again and again, and they're happy to reinvest in that manner. That's a huge change in both our business, but more importantly, in the businesses that we're working. Yeah, I love it. And I, I really want to just acknowledge you on on that because what that's taken from you as far as expanding your vision for what you can really create for your clients. You're really going from just another marketing agency, which I mean, I don't want to downplay it. Well, you, you're talented and brought really great results in before you came to Scale to Freedom, right? So you were already were showing up as a growth partner 
but you didn't look like that on the outside. You looked like every other agency on the outside. And now your completely different positioning is allowing you to be able to have client engagements that are worth multiple six figures. And and clients are very happy to pay that because of the millions of dollars you help them generate. That's exactly right. I want to really point out that when we came into the program, we were seen as tactical implementers or hands, I think you call it sometimes. And people are crystal clear the moment that we show up in their life that these are strategic business growth partners who can help us maximize our valuation and really create geometric growth in our life. And that is night and day difference of you know what one is versus the other. I'm thrilled that we're able to make that change in our clients' lives. It's been incredible to see you grow as a leader as well. So what has that process been like for you? Because I know that you've gone through this multiple year process. You've really mm-hmm. been a veteran. Actually, while you were in our first Scale to Freedom group. It is now a multiple, it's a three-year program now that helps consulting agencies go to $100,000 a month in sales and $100,000 a month in profits. But you came on back in the day when we were just starting this out as moving from where I was doing a lot of one-on-one consulting to like really moving into a tribe. And you and Phil both have been there the entire time from when we first started Scale to Freedom as it is now. Yeah, how cool is that? Well, it's been quite a journey. The way that I would liken it to what I've experienced is when we first started working together, you found a entrepreneur who was perhaps addicted to the hustle. And over the course of our work together, gone from founder to CEO now. And now there's a CEO who first asks, hey, are we coming from a place of creativity and flow? And if not, what's going on there? And um, I've mentioned this in other contexts to folks before, but the way that I explain folks, because I've, I've got a pretty wide network of different executives and entrepreneurs and just folks who, who are in my business network over the years. And I say, if you look at some of these traditional people making a lot of noise out on the internet, those are your bro gurus. Those are your hustle. Just keep hustling and grinding and all this. Yeah, I right? just keep punching your head against that wall. And I've, I've jokingly, but also lovingly said, Mandy is more like the flow guru. We've talked about this, right? One of the teachings that Hands Off CEO brings to bear that I think is very important for folks is, you know, it's the idea of first you have to be something. And then that, that leads to how you do things. And then eventually the have of what you intended to show up shows up. And it's not the most intuitive thing necessarily all day long. And I think there's a real nuance and there's going to continue to be a real nuance for leaders over the next few decades here because there's a giant leadership vacuum that is out there right now. There's a lot of talk about things and a lot of noise out there. My personal opinion is there's a severe lack of grounded, crystal clear leadership that truly allows prosperity to flow from that place. And my wish for anybody listening to this is that if your organization is not experiencing that, first that you find a way to experience that. But really to come back to your question, my my experience over the last few years has been going from what is an entrepreneur who really is kind of hustling and forcing things all day long look like to what is a long-term CEO look like? And what is that difference? Mm, I love that. One thing that really stuck up for me 
I mean, you said a number of really brilliant things, but one of the last things you said is about the lack of leadership and that leadership, how it leads to prosperity and how you were talking about, we need to first be and then doing and then having different results. An analogy that I likened it to is like a lot of CEOs, I will hear say, I will start working less when we're here. I will start taking time off when we're here. I'll hire this salesperson when we are here. Or like whatever right. it is that like they need to do to get to the results. And it's kind of like someone who is a hundred pounds overweight saying, I'm going to go to the gym once I lose weight. <laughs> right. Right. They've got it all backwards. Exactly. It's in the showing up of, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to, and um, not doing it from the place of like, I'm this awful person. I am a hundred pounds overweight, but like choosing to make it be fun, like how you're being. So it's like, it's a good experience. and then really getting to see the results from a different set of actions that I just hear this all the time. And you've probably seen this one with businesses that you've worked with that just haven't gotten to the place where you know it's possible that one of the biggest things I hear is, oh, well, you know, we'd like to do this, but we just don't have cash flow yet. Well, don't you want to freaking fix that problem, right? right. Or do you want to right. keep on, do, you, do we want to have a conversation a year from now about how you still have no cash flow, only now you're more overwhelmed than ever? Is that something that you have seen? Yeah, it's absolutely something I've seen. You know, and I had a couple different thoughts about that. The guru, Brian Tracy, has a joke that he says, you know, people get caught on someday aisle. And what that looks like, of course, you know, someday I'll invest in my business when I have cash flow. Someday I'll lose weight when I decide to stop eating everything under the sun. You know, someday I'll, and at some point, you really have to flip the script in your brain and, you know, and this is that inner work. And I hope it's okay that we talk about this here. But it's like, when you talk about be, do, have, what you're actually doing is you're actually taking into our cause and effect world, Newtonian physics of cause and effect, and introducing a quantum effect that is, right now, all of the potentialities of your future exist. And if you choose the best version of that future and start to introduce it into your being right now, my experience, and I've seen it happen in your tribe to others too, is that it's like planting a seed of growth and it might not germinate right off the bat and it might take a while. Some people are faster than others. But if you stay in that place and essentially reprogram yourself to come from that place where you know that you're going, all of a sudden the magic starts to happen faster. I don't know if you have other examples of that beyond some that I know about, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and you're actually going into some of the, the deeper inner work that we do at our hands-off CEO retreats. And as you know, we teach a lot of the strategies. Well, we teach all the strategies to become a hands-off CEO for consulting companies and agencies. There's a lot of tactics that you do with that, right? But if you're showing up from a place of lack, you're going to generate relaxed results. If you're going to show up from a place of like, geez, my team sucks. They're doing this thing again. And kind of this victim mentality, then you'll get what you get. And what you're describing here with your mindset as some of these deeper level internal shifts, it just goes to show that like for some people listening to this, it's going to be over their head. They're like, what the heck is that guy even talking about? And it's your common knowledge because of who you are now really fully embodying a hands-off CEO and the level of abundance that you created for, for yourself, for your team, for your clients as a result of who you're being now. Well, and if you want to land what it looks like in real life, I'll share a little bit of some growing pains that we had in our own business. And what's interesting is what I've found is if you're coming from this place of lack, 
what you're ending up doing is you start to overcompensate all the time. So as a CEO, for instance, you might start micromanaging someone. And what that really comes out, where that's coming from is you feel like things are out of control. So you either don't trust the person who's working in your organization to do X, Y, and Z, or maybe you think you trust them, but you're running a pattern from a previous experience or whatever. I had it. I used to run an organization like that. And it was scary. I always felt like the rug was going to be pulled out from under me. And if I could offer any value to other CEOs and aspiring CEOs on this podcast, it is get right with your own foundation of the type of business you're trying to lead so that you can create that culture. And I really mean create that culture. Somewhere in my my many notes over the years, I have a picture of the old team, which really looked like me lording over them and thinking they were all small and puny. And it's disgusting now that I think about it. But that was how I came at it a long time ago. And it took me 10 years to learn this lesson. And now I view myself as providing a platform for each of them to grow into their best selves. And in doing so, we work harmoniously to create these great results for our clients. It hasn't even been 24 hours where I had a team member come out to me and say, she literally said this. She said, my entire career prior to working here, I was trying to get women to work together harmoniously. I don't know what you've done, Wally. You created a culture where we are all so supportive of each other and we are just kicking butt. And I was like, this is awesome because it's this area, it's this place, it's our business. You know, we talk about aces in their places and like each of their aces are in their places. We don't have jacks of all trades over here, right? It's like each person is doing their highest and best work. And in doing so, they're supporting each other. That's the transformation that I've gone through on the leadership level. Wow. That is really incredible. And I'm glad you brought that up because there's something that I really want to acknowledge you because I've seen you grow over the years and really step into from a place of the team kind of falling apart and not being able to fulfill on the work without mm-hmm. you coming in. And I mean, love the word that you use, lording over it. It's so funny. Without you like getting in the weeds of it, right? You pinpointed the exact word that I would have used too. Trust. It all comes down to trust. Yeah. So there's trust in your team that yeah. they can actually do that. But you generated that trust. You created that. And mm-hmm. this is another example that you can liken to that like, I'll, I'll go to the gym when I after I lose weight. It's like, I'll trust my team after they show me I can trust them. Yeah. It's a little backwards of thinking that way. And I think you probably agree with me that you, you got to be careful on the rope that you're giving, especially to newer team members as you're learning. Mm-hmm. But yeah. wouldn't you agree that generating the trust comes first, especially like internally in yourself that you can actually do this and then it, it flows it, from there? It absolutely does. One of the things that I've seen across your whole tribe, and I know I've experienced it myself too, because the first building block is finding that extra time and you call it the power hour. And a lot of people listening to this might be like, well, what do I do with that extra hour? I've noticed across a lot of the most successful CEOs, you know, and I'm not just talking about your tribe, I'm talking about in the world, you want to scale your business faster, meditate, whatever that looks like for you. Get clear with yourself and the universe and your mission and your vision and whatever that looks like and use that space to actually create that trust. Because if you're not connected inside, along with whatever the mystery of the universe is, you don't have that trust, it's going to emanate from you in a bad way. But if you come from it the other way, to be able to trust the team is huge. And you always trust, but verify. 
We've all learned that you always do that. You always build in feedback loops and a lot of the talk in your group is about you know, total quality management, right? All the way from all the way up and down the chain of command and all that type of stuff. But the difference is if you're a CEO, and this comes back to, I think, probably the biggest difference from a CEO and an entrepreneur is if I'm an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, how am I doing over the next 90 days? If I'm a CEO, I need to be spending most of my thinking time three to five years out, maybe even getting into chairman and investor territory five to 10 years out plus. I need to see like where things are going. I need to have at least three different strategic plans for status quo, all hell breaking loose and things going great in the other direction. The more you can go into that space and then trust your team to also acknowledge that space, that's where you kind of get that infinite positive feedback loop go. Something I want to point out here is that at an earlier stage, you were very much in, you kind of get pulled back into the delivery a lot and the lack of the trust. And it's very much like, kind of stuck where we're at right here. And now you've grown to this place where you are really acting as a CEO. You're as the visionary, you're looking three to five years out. And I actually have a a term for this. You've heard us talk about this at at a past retreat, being really being a visioneer, where you're Mm -hmm. visioning years out. And then you're also looking at, there's a tactical side of that. And then there's the visioning side. The visioning really comes first because that's what drives you forward. So you've really gone into this deeper internal work So how has that impacted the kind of growth that you've seen both in yourself and also in your company? It's really cool. For myself, it feels like I'm playing in my zone of genius more than I have maybe ever in a business sense. And what that looks like on a personal level is most of the time I'm unrushed. Things are being created at nature's pace, okay? Just think of what that does for your uh, blood pressure as a starting point, right? Not being in a hurry all the time, not too shabby. But probably more importantly, what does that look like overall? Our business has had the best six months that it's ever had revenue-wise. We had a customer renew this year, and she increased the scope of work that we're going to do for her over the next 12 months by 20 to 25%. But the reason she did that is because over the last year, we went from giving her a lead search where she was documenting 1,392% ROI monthly to over 2,000%. I almost don't even want to tell that story because unless I showed you the numbers, it seems unreasonable. And I literally went over the calculation with her and I said, I want to make sure that I'm not just making this up because these numbers look too good. And she came back, nope, those numbers look good. I think we should keep working together. Everybody's just kind of in flow. We're doing what we need to do and she's doing what she needs to do and like better things are happening. And that's one example using a client as an example, but it's like take that energy and put it across the whole business and that's what's happening. So there's a few things I want to unpack there. First of all, you you were pointing out how you've you've slowed down, you have have more health. One thing you didn't point out, and I know you're skiing a whole lot more than is to you to do a lot of skiing. That's just something that of course, you have to do if you live in Colorado, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> but you're slowing down and you're seeing an enormous amount of growth coming from that. And that's a completely different perspective than a less mature CEO who sees this as, I got to rush, 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 from the, the bro versus the flow and seeing growth from that perspective. That's really cool. Yeah. So to grow from flow, right? This is going to be kind of a cheesy rhyme, but it's like to grow from flow is to get clear on what to say no. Too. And, and <laughs> I love it. think about this though, and I'm sure you have. 
Warren Buffett says no to just about everything under the sun. Yeah. And he also owns one of the four major railroads that he bought in the darkness of 2008-9 recession, basically with Goldman Sachs' money. Because he said no to all these stupid, mediocre deals for like eight years, said no to all the like noise of like the technology, this technology, that or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. Yes. And then went for it 100%. And then he sits around for a while. So if I go back to like Wally the Entrepreneur versus Wally the CEO, Wally the Entrepreneur was like, say yes, say yes to everything. Look at the bright, shiny objects. As opposed to, why don't we say yes to getting clear on what we're actually doing and what our mission is and what that really, really looks like, to your point, the vision, and then say no to everything else that's getting in the way of I love that. And that's what we do first with our clients in the first month is like really dialing in what is the bigger mission, but is the bigger purpose, but what is the most impactful work that you can do for your business? And I know you've gone through a number of those iterations through Scale to Freedom because you've been in the tribe for a while. So you've done that and you continue to expand your offering so that here's the thing is, is that when you say like 2000% ROI, that sounds unreasonable, but that's not unreasonable in our tribe, is it? No. That's, that is what is the normal. So it's, it's looking at raising your standard of what reasonable is and yes. recognizing that just because the rest of the market is mediocre doesn't mean that you have to play that. It means you get to completely play in a, in a totally different world and really become a category of one. That's exactly it. And the bell curve is what it is. And there is a 5% tail on each side of that bell curve. So. What do you have to say no to to be in that top 5%? I love that. That's a great question. What do you have to say no to to be in that top 5% of the bell curve? So Wally, you know, as we're wrapping up something, what would you recommend for a CEO who is looking to continue scaling their consulting company or agency? What would you share your best advice with them? My best advice is totally going to be stolen from those who came before me in the tribe. And I mean that in the, in the best intention of taking their best advice because it's helped me and I would like to also see it help someone else. And the first one is to be aware of how you're coming to your team and are you being Superman, as in like an entrepreneur trying to fix everything and just make everything happen? Or are you being Yoda, as in are you truly being envisioning and then trusting and building the team up around you to make that happen. That's a big one that I could offer someone. And probably even further than that, I think I got this from Philip, whether I got it from him, probably from his actions, not his words, because that's who Philip is. And many people in the tribe look up to him. And if they don't, they sure should, because Philip is humble and he listens to what the next step is. And then he just gets it. He just does the work. And so if I could offer any of that, it's the be humble and take the coaching and trust the process and do the work. I love that. Well, Wally, how can people reach out to you? How do they get in touch with you? So our website, exitologybook.com outlines exactly how we're growing these businesses and setting them up for free X valuation or bigger over the next three to five years. And we have a number of free resources available to you there. And so that's the best starting point. Check out exitologybook.com and gain access to those free resources. And from there, if you like what you see, there'll be plenty of ways to keep the journey going. Absolutely. I love it. 
So exodologybook.com mm-hmm. and we'll make sure to include them in the show notes. We'll send that a link to be able to purchase your book when we share this with our email tribe as well. So thanks again so much, Wally, for coming on the podcast, sharing your journey. And it's been an absolute pleasure really seeing you grow through this process. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, Mandy. It's been awesome to be on this journey with you. And I look forward to seeing your work keep growing in the world. And we're very grateful for the work, how it's spilled over into our world, I guess is what I'm saying. So thank you.